Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you are blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church and its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to redchurch.org.au. So there was someone in the first service who came up to me at the end. I'd never met her before, but she said something that I think is worth sharing. Um, She just said, you know what, I just... That whole service, I could see Jesus walking through the room. I just like, I could see him. And so I just want to say that to encourage you that he's here. That when we sing, come Lord Jesus, come, he responds. And so I want to start with that, that he's here and he's here to speak to you or sit with you, to come before you. And so let's be open to what he wants to do this morning. As we hold heavy news but we hold it with him. And as we find ourselves in a really interesting space, an opportunity to mature our faith. You know, some scholars are saying at the moment, and they've written, that the church in the West is living off the memory of God rather than the power of God. But church is time to live off the power of God. To see that, believe it, trust it, and ask for it. I believe he's waking us up. He hasn't brought these circumstances, but he's using them to wake us up as a people. And he's waking us up to faith. And so that's what I felt led to speak about this week. And it has weight to it, and our faith is meant to, if it's become mundane or repetitive, is it really faith? If it's become safe and controlled, is it really faith? Faith is being dependent on something greater than ourselves. And so we find ourselves in that position. God is going to mature and define our faith. Well, that's his invitation to us. And you know what? If you look Biblically and historically, which is, well, that's both, isn't it? God moves in these moments. And so I want to look at that passage in Hebrews. Let's look at the people of God who have done this before, who have gone before us, who have stood and be faithful when they couldn't understand what's going on and when they looked at circumstances and just thought, I don't know if there's any other way but with God. Just like Moses standing looking at the Red Sea. No idea how they were going to get through it, but God knew, and he came. Or Joshua crossing the River Jordan and walking around a city, behaving in such an odd way, but looking and trusting in a greater God who said, I will come, I will come forward, I will come through. Or even Gideon, who was said to go out and face the Midian army, an army of 120,000 men, he only had 300. And God said, go forward. Trust, I will bring my power and my glory. Each of these men, and there's so many more, and we're going to read about more, stood and trusted in who God was and allowed his power to come. Their faith came alive in that moment. When they couldn't see a way, God made a way. So let's look at Hebrews. Um, It's debated who wrote this book. Scholars have different opinions. Um, I believe it was Paul. 
but I'll leave you guys to decide who you believe it was. Now, it's a sermon, essentially. It's a teaching, the book of Hebrews. In the first 10 chapters, look at Jesus and his priestly role. That's what it kind of covers in the first 10. Um, but the whole, the whole book of Hebrews is about Jesus, his humanity and his divinity. It's proclaiming and reminding the people of God at that time who Jesus is. And so in chapter 11, it's a famous one. If you've been following Jesus for a while, you have probably read it. It's almost like a turning point. No longer is it teaching. The preacher then comes forward and says, it's time to respond to this Jesus. It's time to believe and to act and to walk towards him. And so this morning, let's receive it in that way as an opportunity to respond. It's a retelling of the Old Testament through the lens of faith. And so I'm going to read through, it's got this beautiful rhythm and it's really valuable to listen and to hear it kind of played out. And then in the last chunk, I think it's good that we read together. So I'll get you to join me, but I'll let you know when it's coming up. So let's begin. Hebrews 11, we're going to do 1 to 16. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen is not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Why don't you join me for this part? And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called God, for he has prepared a city for them. Ah. What a rhythm, hey? By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abel. By faith, by faith, by faith. 
It's meant to be an encouragement. It's meant to be something that we look to and are reminded of, what it means to hold this faith as a people of God. And as it says in verse 1, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence and assurance. This is difficult if it's held just in a worldview, to have confidence and assurance in something that we can't see. But we don't just hold it in a worldview, do we? We hold it in a biblical view, in the story of the Bible, which we are a part of and we believe. We stand in between two terms. And our confidence and assurance is about something that has taken place and something that will take place. What has taken place is that Jesus walked on this earth and then he died and he rose again. And our faith is based on that. We have confidence in that truth. But not only that, we have assurance that he will return again. He will come back and God will dwell richly with us. And this pain and sorrow that we feel that we were never designed to feel, the weight of that will go. For we will be with God, and as it says in Revelation, there will be no mourning or crying, and he will wipe every tear. And so we stand in the in-between as followers of Jesus, confident in what he has done and confident that he will return. And this is why this verse says that. This is our faith, confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. People call it the now and not yet. We have both, and we hold both. And Hebrews is challenging us to respond to that reality, that we stand in both lands, believing that Jesus is who he says he is, that when he proclaimed the kingdom is at hand, he meant it not just for the disciples in the book of the Gospels or in Acts, but for us. Our faith is not based on our own ability to hold on to a truth, to muster up enough positivity, to become excellent at apologetics, or even just to follow blindly. There is so much more to our faith. It's not based on a memory that we have to keep alive. It's based on something that is alive. And he walks right now in this room with us. And he calls to you. Our faith is based on the eternal truth and power of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and his return. The eternal truth and power of that. You know, there's a song we sing here called King of Kings, which is one of my favorites because it basically proclaims the gospel in song. And there's a line in there that I get to that I just, when I'm by myself in my apartment, will admit, sing very loudly. (laughs) And the line is this, now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. This truth, Jesus' life, the strength of it means it's why you're in this room. It shall not kneel and it shall not faint. And you carry that with you, the power of that truth. That is what your faith is based upon. And there is power in it this moment and it was then and it will be to come. The truth is important. So we're not following blindly. We're basing our faith on truth, which has lasted 
thousands of years, which people have died for so that we would know it. Confidence and assurance in a truth. And not just a truth, not just an idea, but a person, Jesus. That's the essence of our faith. It begins with knowledge and understanding. I've journeyed through a few alpha courses, one of my favorite things to do, and it's always fascinating to see the ways that people come to Jesus. And quite often it begins with trying to understand who he is. Who is this Jesus of Nazareth? I want to read history books. I want to understand why he behaved the way he he did. How could this man also be divine and human? We start with this idea of knowledge, and we read about this in Hebrews. Let's look at the example of the people who have gone before. Sarah, in Hebrews 11, verse 11. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. She considered. She thought about it. What did she do? She went, okay, I know God has been faithful in the past. And so I consider, I think about it, and I'm like, I know he will be faithful now. That is knowledge and a confidence that God is who he says he is. Acknowledging that and living that. And she did. She saw that come to be. Abraham, her husband. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Abraham reasoned. He used his mind, his understanding. He was like, okay, God has promised me this. He's holding that promise. He's holding God accountable to his promise, which is a good way to go because God can't grow back on his word and who he is. So it's a pretty good bet to hold him accountable to his own promise. And yet also he's holding that promise and putting it on an altar. And he's reasoned. He's thought, okay, God, I know he is faithful. He would not say something and not deliver. What I really like about Abraham is he didn't understand how it was going to work. If anything, it looks completely opposite to his eyes and his way of living and understanding in this tangible world to place the very promise on an altar to die. But he still does it. His faith, he reasoned that God would be faithful and would answer it. And we read about it, and he does. So our faith is based on a truth. It is something that we start with knowledge and understanding. We seek Jesus in that way. And maybe you're here today and that's what you're doing. You're trying to understand who Jesus is. And that's a good place to start because he loves to share of who he is with you. Holy Spirit loves doing that. It's part of his job. But it's not just that. There's more to it. But I really like what Tim Mackey says on this. Is that You may have picked up I really like the Bible Project, and they do a lot of teaching on the Bible. And when he was talking about Hebrews and this very topic, he said that the reality of faith is built on the truthfulness of the thing it is in. The reality of our faith is based on the truthfulness of Jesus. That's where the strength of it comes from. That's the reality we're invited to believe in, to acknowledge, to understand, to wrestle with. And do you know what? It's okay to have doubts and to struggle and to and try and work it out. That's actually good because it means that you're hungering for more and God's like, let me show you more. Come towards me with it. So seek out people to talk about it. 
read books, explore it, ask the questions. Our understanding is important and our engagement in that reality is important. But that's only one aspect, isn't it? Faith is also the invitation to step into that reality, to not just think about it or wrestle with it, but to make a move towards it with our lives and our behaviour and the way that we see the world. So let's look at those who have gone before. In verse 7, Noah, by faith, he was warned about, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. When warned about things not yet seen. Noah and the people living that time had never seen the amount of rain that was about to come. It took Noah's faith to trust in God's word and not just that, to build an ark in front of an entire group of people who were probably going to be like, mate, I think you might be losing it. And he says, no, this is the God I believe in and I will actively step towards it and participate in my faith and build to allow God to enter and answer. And he did. And again, Abraham, not only did he reason, but it also says, when he was called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. We get to read this retrospectively, hey? It says in there, later received. He's turned up to a country being like, this is my place. Well, this is God's place. He said, I'm going to have it for his name and for his glory. Imagine how the people stood and looked at him. But he didn't care because he trusted in something greater. He saw with the eyes that God had given him in faith and said, I will step towards it and I will believe. And you know, he didn't even know where he was going. He trusted God enough to just start walking and knew that he would fulfill that. What does that say to us in our faith? Does our faith look like that? Will we be ridiculed, misunderstood, take the risk because we believe in something greater? Because God's saying, look with the eyes of faith. I will come through. I will fill that place. On all of these occasions and the stories we've read and the many more that you find throughout the Bible, what we witness is God's power and glory. He answers in a way that we can never imagine. And what happens is that faith makes a pathway for God's glory to flow freely. That's what takes place in the lives of all these people. These acts of obedience and trust make no sense in light of their circumstances and their surroundings. That is where we are, Red Church. Believe that God wants to continue to see red flourish and grow but we don't have the finances. God says, I believe they will come. There are multiple things going on for us as a congregation, for you in your lives as well, that God's saying, believe. When your circumstances may not look that way, stand as the ancients did and walk by faith towards the truth, my truth in my kingdom. And let me show you. Think of Mary trusting God. Hearing from an angel, you're going to conceive a son. Physically impossible. If 
By faith, she believed. And not only that, was obedient to let it happen and proclaim who had done it, despite ridicule, despite rejection, isolation, everything that came with that. But aren't we thankful that she did? We would not have Jesus. By her faith, think of the disciples. What they did when Jesus was like, I'm sending you out. You go in my name, in my power. And by faith, they went out and fed these masses, healed people, proclaimed the gospels, and thousands of people came to Jesus. Imagine witnessing that power. Do you want to see that? (laughs) I want to. And do you know what? I think God's waking us up to that. Will you believe? Will our faith be big enough? He wants to breathe that in us, expand our faith to see that happen, that we may believe in it. And do you know what? You already know how to do it. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is in 1 Peter 1, 8 to 9, and it says this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls. You are already walking in this. Believing in Jesus is that very act of faith. Even though you do not see him, you love him. And if you have not met him yet, oh my goodness, the joy that awaits when you do. And friends, if it feels dry, seek him. Because that joy is not meant to run out after a few years following him. There is more to be found. And he wants to offer that. So faith is not just a memory, not something we have to muster up, provide proof of, or do on our own. Faith is trust and obedience. That's what we've read about from the people in Hebrews. They trusted, they used their knowledge to reason, understand, and say this is who God was, and I trust that he will be the same now. And they were obedient. This is what God has said, and I will faithfully follow, irrelevant of the cost, or irrelevant if I understand it or not. Trust and obedience. And it is that very trust and obedience that opens the door to the new creation and allows a pathway of God's glory to enter the now. Remember, we live in the now and not yet. When we trust and obey, the new creation comes and we get a taste of it. Just like when you met Jesus, that's the taste of new creation because he is that. But there's more. Will we open the door through our trust and belief and allow the power of God to come into our lives? To bring that new creation. And we're not trusting and obeying something abstract. We're trusting and obeying Jesus. You already know him. You're already walking with him. But he's saying, there's more. Come with me. Believe. And we have that promise, as Ephesians 1.13 says, Holy Spirit is a seal. When you believed in Jesus, you were marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit, which is literally the promise of new creation. He was there at the beginning of creation. He'll be there at the end of time, but he's also with us now. That is the now and not yet. Holy Spirit empowers you to trust and obey. 
And I think this is what God's up to. He's waking us up to this. And we're seeing this. This is what we're calling renewal. Renewal is where God comes and breathes in us again, where we give him space and opportunity to bring new life. He did it corporately at Pentecost. Jesus sent the Spirit and awakened the church. And what happened? The disciples were on fire for God. The things that took place and the people that were saved and the way the gospel went out. Biblical scholars and writers, theologians, people who have tracked revivals throughout history have said that Pentecost was the first version of a revival and that everyone from that is similar. There are things that are similar to it because it's the same person, Jesus, who pours out his spirit. And so this is what we're beginning to see. Will it be exactly the same as Pentecost? Probably not but it will be familiar and similar because it's the same God and the same spirit. It's meant to be the norm of the church. Jesus said this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And there are moments throughout history, he's like, it's time again. Church, rise up. I'm going to send my spirit and there will be power among you. And this isn't just the manifestation of Holy Spirit. That's a part of it, yes. But in a renewal and a revival, It's a return to the devotion, the confidence and assurance of Jesus. That's what he's doing. We become more Christ-like because we are shaped to look like him, to proclaim his kingdom. Jesus is the one who does this. And you know what? We're listening to David Thomas. He preached about trailing prayer and he said this when he recalled all the revivals of history. He said, in those moments, it would have, you would never have picked it. It didn't look like a good time to have a revival. There's not going to be a good time. In fact, it's usually when the church is at its lowest, when the West is saying the church is dying, that sort of time. That's when they come. Is that what he's doing? And he's doing it in you. We're hearing stories. Terry Walling describes the journey that we go on. He uses this one phrase that I think is really helpful. It's called a trust helix that God takes us through. And you can see moments throughout your lifetime where you've been placed in this position facing one of your greatest fears. I'll use one example. There are many. But think about if you you have generational fear in your family, something that has held different people in your family throughout generations. And so there are opportunities or moments in your life where you are faced with this fear. And it can be presented in many different ways. Fear of being alone, fear of not having enough. The circumstances bring you back time and again. And each time is an opportunity to trust and obey that Jesus can feel that. No, I am enough. No, you will never be alone. And when we do that, when we allow the power of his presence and his truth to change and stand on that and obediently walk towards it, we go deeper. And we come to another point again. We're deeper with God. But the enemy's like, oh, look, you're back here again. Remember that whole fear thing? Yeah, I've had it over your family for ages, so you're probably not going to be able to bust that. And God's like, no, my son, my daughter, you have gone deeper and I desire greater freedom for you. And this is why we're here. Will you let me? 
I want to show you my kingdom, my love, that I will restore all things and I will renew you. That trust helix, that's what he does in our lives. It's maturing in faith and letting God be God time and again, showing his power and we can't see the answer. And this looks different in all of our lives. Some of it, some for you, it might be abandonment. It might be many other things. It's usually linked to security or significance. And there are different things that come with that health, maybe desiring a child to come back to faith or a spouse. Maybe it's desiring a partner. Will we trust and obey that God will answer in the way that he has designed us and that it's good, that he'll fill that gap? This is what God's doing, I believe, collectively, that trust helix as the church as we come round again to this moment of the West telling us, hey, actually, you guys are dying out. And God's like, no, believe in something greater. We're going deeper, church. Come with me. Let me reveal my power. Let me empower you and show you who I am so that you're not just living off a memory of who I am, but you know me as the almighty God who changes nations, who raises people from death, who can heal the sick, who can provide financially, and who can bring men and women back home who have run from him or who have never known him. That is the God we are following, and that is the God who is asking us, call upon me, open the door, trust and believe, obey, walk towards this. Let me move. Come on. He is speaking to us, Red Church. He's speaking to you. Let God be God in your life.